This episode was edited by Deadset Podcasting. If you want your podcast to sound this good, check out deadsetpodcasting.com forward slash services. Get the sound you're chasing. You're listening to Deadset Podcasting with your host, Josh Liston. This is a show dedicated to podcasting in Australia, New Zealand and Southeast Asia. Follow along with today's episode over at deadsetpodcasting.com. Okay, here we go. Hello everybody, Josh here. Welcome back to Deadset Podcasting. Today I'm recording into an MD46 Sennheiser into my Focusrite and DBX286S. And I'm in my still very echoey office this time because the studio room is set up in a certain way that at the moment it's hard for me to get in and out of there to do episodes such as this because I forgot my battery for my sound devices and I would have to use the road in there which is in a really awkward spot to be able to take it out bring it in here get the file off etc so always remember your batteries people I've got this device and I took it home to do some recording of some environmental sounds around the house that I wanted to use for something and yeah I forgot the battery so it's pretty much useless without the battery so that's my number one tip for today completely unrelated to anything if you're going to have a device that runs on an external power supply, as in a USB-C battery or a traditional battery pack, try and have two of those at some point, not just one. And if you record in multiple locations, maybe have one that just lives in your car. So wherever you are, most of the time your car will probably be there and you have an emergency battery that you have access to. Righto, today's episode is actually about podcast promotion and marketing tips so these are not going to be strategic they're not going to be how to do things because i'm no expert in that but after making shows for the better part of a decade now i've made a lot of mistakes with marketing shows but today is more about the mindset that you need i think from my own experience and the research i've done and from listening to other experts in the industry and other industries also outside of just podcasting, mostly the music industry, the mindset you have to drive effective marketing to grow your show. So to support the show, you can go to deadsetpodcasting.com slash support. You can buy me a coffee or multiple coffees even. And given the fact that I forgot an essential piece of equipment this morning, I think that I need at least 45,000 coffees. Righto. The first point today is going to be maybe more philosophical than it is tactical. You need to accept that where you like to hang out online may not match where your potential audience is or your current audience even. And I'll give you an example for me. I love Twitter. It's where I think I post the funniest jokes, where I have a kind of snarky kind of personality and I pick fun at the entrepreneurial marketing set that's penetrated podcasting and other kinds of content creation i post a lot of stuff about those types of people that i think goes underappreciated but that's another point and i've found over the what eight or nine years that i've been making shows and the 10 or 12 years as a podcast listener facebook in this part of the world is still much more powerful when it comes to engagement listening referrals whether they listen on the site or click off the site and go listen somewhere else 
and also for the community around the shows that either I'm a fan of or the shows I've made myself. So why am I so resistant to using Facebook? To be honest, I think it's an ego thing. And the more I think about it, the more I realize it's my fault. I want to be a funny person, a snarky, smart person on Twitter. And for some reason, I think that my podcast audience should just magically appear on that platform and support me in achieving that goal. That is just so stupid. And I haven't fully embraced the power of Facebook's technology or the community there because to me, Facebook, I don't know. I actually don't know what it is. I just don't feel completely comfortable on the platform personally. And it feels a little bit run of the mill, a little bit corporate, not punk rock enough. And a bit too every day or something. I don't know. Whatever the reason is, it's stupid, as I mentioned, and I need to get over it. And I guess what the point I'm making is your audience may be in a place that you think is uncool or not hip or that's not a podcast platform. Facebook's not where the real podcast fans are. That's Twitter or Discord or some super cool tech program or platform. Got to get over that. You have to at least have your shows available where these people are, but make a concerted effort to understand why are they there? What are they getting out of being on Facebook as a community of people, but also as a potential listening community that they don't get from these other platforms? And how much energy are you burning trying to pull them away from somewhere they already are to some other platform that you personally think is more hip, cool, or just better for some reason? So I need to get better at this. I need to realize that Deadset Podcasting does better with engagement on LinkedIn than anywhere else. So I've been putting more energy into the platform I am the least interested in as a human. I see the benefits of the platform. I think it's amazing for what it is. It hasn't strayed into trying to become everything to everybody. But to me, it's the least cool possible place you could hang out as a podcast fan or a listener or a creator, yet it's the place that this particular show gets the most direct feedback and interaction from other people in the industry that have either influence or whose opinions matter in the world of creating a podcast about podcasting. So I had to get over that a couple of months ago and not just realize LinkedIn's a extra place to put my show, but it's somewhere I have to continuously be checking in on because I don't want to miss comments and messages and support from people that are doing bigger and better things within this same sphere when they're choosing. LinkedIn is obviously as the place that they like to interact on a business level with people or have more substantive interactions in terms of the serious side of the medium. And I'm not saying LinkedIn's right for your show. If you're doing a hobby show or a comic book show or whatever, it might be completely inappropriate, but that's just an example of another thing I've had to get over. For Tips of the Slung and Punching Sideways, one's an interview show, one's a short-form comedy show, they don't play so well on Twitter compared to Facebook where they do quite well for shows that aren't gigantic in terms of that's where people hear it, that's where people mention they saw it. That's where I get some listening. That's where they click on an audio video sort of thing. Twitter, nada. Once again, I think that those Twitter jokes are underappreciated, but maybe I just need to stop flooding my Twitter account with podcast episodes 
and stick only to the jokes. <laughs> so I hope you don't go there and find the whole thing not funny at all. Now I've been talking it up. So, and yeah, with LinkedIn, that was, I've never really wanted to be seen as a business side of the industry guy. I've always wanted to be a creative person. And I've always thought that because I have some ability to organize things. So even when I was in the music industry, I always was not only writing the music and creating a lot of the content for the bands I was in in terms of the music itself and the composition, but I was also managing parts of the operation, booking gigs, all that sort of stuff. And I've had to accept that people will view you however they choose to view you. And by extension, that comes down to the platforms themselves and how you interact with them. If you're seen as a fly-by-night, post heaps of spam on Facebook person, but they can tell that you're not really there and you'd prefer to be somewhere else and you're only using it to dump and run, so to speak, when it comes to your content, people probably aren't going to engage with you as much as if you are obviously there engaging with the platform, learning how it works. And further to that, you may find that a platform that really appeals to you on every level, like Discord did for me, didn't do a whole lot for your shows at all in any way. So when it comes to my priority week to week of where I put energy, Twitter and Discord need, when it comes to promoting my show, be further down the list than what I've had them. Because I just thought I'll hang out in Discord, be a super cool guy, and that will transition into listeners at some point or offline conversations or getting to meet people or whatever it is. And maybe that's just a platform that is purely personal and there's no avenue to gaining listenership on that platform. So number two, you may have more than one audience for your show and your marketing or promotional choices may expose and amplify that secondary or tertiary audience, but it can also limit that audience from engaging. And I'll explain with a personal example. I have a local interview show called Punching Sideways and I used to promote that show more with audiograms on Instagram and Facebook than maybe what I do now. I used to do multiple audiograms per episode, whereas now I've expanded to promoting the show across multiple platforms and different types of promotion. I'm only really doing a trailer episode for Punching Sideways and how this impacted my secondary audience was I had more than one person at my old job come up to me and say, oh, that was a really funny clip that you had on Instagram. That was hilarious. And I'd thank them, obviously, and say, oh, that's cool that you're listening. But more than once, the follow-up to that was, I noticed, though, that you don't do them for every episode. That's the only way I listen to the show. Can you start posting more of those? Because I'm catching the show in two to three-minute chunks but I'm probably never going to listen to a whole episode. 60 to 90 minutes in one go is just too big a lift for those people. That was a big moment for me because I realized that this person is as engaged in the content in terms of caring about it as someone who is a podcast listener already, does the long-form content thing, maybe already has their favorite app, you know, Pocket Cast or Castro or Overcast or whatever, or the Apple Podcast app or whatever. These people were just as invested as them, but in the short form version of the show. Give me the funny two minutes and give me an emotional two minutes from the episode and maybe give me another funny one. 
So don't do them for one guest and then don't do it for the next one. And then for the third guest that month, you do 30. And then for the fourth guest, you do one again. Is there any chance you can keep that consistent so I can catch, you know, the best eight or nine minutes of the show over the course of a week in little chunks? And that's when I realized that Punching Sideways had multiple audiences, but they're not ever going to be traditional podcast listeners that will commit to long-form audio. And it never occurred to me that audio podcasting could have more than one audience that gave a hoot about your show. To me, it was the subscribers who listened to 80% of every episode and there was everybody else. And that's just not the way it is. You'll find when you start experimenting with different kinds of promotion that you establish a secondary audience that consumes just that promotional type of content that doesn't actually filter over into your full-blown podcast audience, but it doesn't make them any less important or any less likely to share the show with a friend they know does listen to full-length content. Because one particular young guy, he said to me, I'm only going to listen to those short clips. I think they're awesome because I've only got a couple of minutes here and there to do it but I'm already sharing the show with other friends that I know are tradies that have long drives or they work for one of the local councils and they're continuously going out of town to go up and work in the mountains or whatever. That's an on-ramp for this particular young guy's friends to get into the show because he knows them as people that they already listen to full-length content. So he can share the little clip, say, hey, I'm really digging this. It's got a full-blown show go check it out. So you never know how those things are going to happen. And tip number three is a continuation from that particular tip. It's you need to be offering multiple on-ramps to your content. This is something I never did. And what I mean by that is you need to be offering technical and non-technical on-ramps to your content for technical and non-technical people, but also for rookie and veteran listeners. For the non-technical people, you may need to do what I do on Punching Sideways with my co-host Melanie. We have players on their website that are live before each episode's promoted that you can go and click on, and I test that to make sure it's going to (laughs) work. We say, go to the website and press play. That's it. Punchingsideways.com, press play. Anybody that can download an app from an app store can press post on a Facebook post, can share something on Instagram. That level of technical person can go to a website and press play on a big play button. And they're just as important as the people that know how to import your RSS feed into Overcast and set all the settings for 1.5 speed vocal boost download every new episode, make sure you delete them afterwards, etc., etc., etc. Those people are going to recognize when you're saying go to website, press play, or you can get the show in Apple Podcasts or Overcast if you're an iOS user. They're going to recognize, oh, this show is actually embedded in the medium. They realize that their audience is a spread of people with different technical on-ramps to the show. Because I can tell you one thing, when I hear a podcast talk about the myriad ways that I can consume the show, as a fan of the medium itself, it's a way of signifying that you know the medium itself, that you're embedded in the medium as a listener, because maybe you say, 
go listen on Castro because I'm a power listener to podcasts too, just like you. And Castro is the most beautiful app for power listening or Overcast, as I'm using at the moment. Overcast is a little bit better when it comes to their updates, in my opinion. Castro can be a little glitchy. That's why I moved away from it. Just a complete side note, but it's Castro is the most beautiful app for power listening that I've ever experienced. People who are power listeners or veterans, they might recognize that you're embedded in the medium. So you can do that with your show. Offer the web player. Offer Spotify for the non-technical person, but maybe it's a little bit more in podcast world than someone that can only press play on a website. And then talk about Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts for the mid-group, the biggest group of listeners that listen to a few shows, but not a whole heap yet. Or maybe they've got a limited amount of time each week. They just want a few shows in a simple app. And then for the hardcore listener, you maybe say it's available in Pocket Cast, it's cross-platform or Overcast or Castro if they're a superpower user. Those things are going to signify to veteran listeners particularly that you know your stuff. <laughs> and that's a subtle thing. But I know when I listen. Part of the reason why I enjoy hearing Joe Rogan talk about podcasting itself is not because he's got this giant show, and I don't love everything he says by any means or any all of his episodes, but I love that you can tell he's a real fan of the medium first. He loves listening to it, and I'm sure even if his show stops one day, which all shows do, he will continue to listen to whatever podcasting is at that point. So you've got to offer these on-ramps, and they themselves can be, particularly to those veteran listeners, a subtle form of promotion in and of itself. So number four, and I know these are all pretty philosophical and maybe even borderline esoteric today, but I'm going completely off the cuff because not having my battery really threw me. <laughs> so I apologize for that. But hopefully that's maybe what you've worked out about Deadset Podcasting is the conversations and what we talk about is not going to be exactly like every other show you've ever heard about the medium. And if it is, just tell me because I'll probably stop. <laughs> Save every other punishment. You, number four is you need to commit to promotional consistency. This is the thing that I personally have done the worst job of when it comes to promoting my own shows of anything. You need to make sure that your web player is always ready because that is the default base level position for every single person to be able to access your show. If Facebook and Instagram for some reason are down, if Apple's got a problem or the app has a bug or whatever, just make sure that it's live on your website and all your promotion, regardless where you're linking to it or promoting it, all has some reference for those rookie listeners and people who just prefer to listen on the web, that it's there and it's working. And I quite often don't do that. I'm not sure why, but I convince myself, oh, this audience isn't into going to click on the web. But maybe they're not. But you may catch them at work or just in a situation where they want to click on that. If their favorite app for some reason has thrown them off because they had a heap of bugs, like what happened to me with Castro about 18 months ago, then at least I know that I can go click on the web and listen to the episode. But it's not just about having the web player there for people to click on. It's about making sure it's always there first, which I've stuffed up in the past. I've posted about punching sideways and with all the places you can listen, and a few of those times... It wasn't actually available on SoundCloud yet, and it wasn't already on my website when I posted it, because those are just generic links to my accounts on SoundCloud to the playlist of Punching Sideways and on the website to punchingsideways.com. 
I didn't go and do that stuff first. So if that was the first time you'd ever seen my show and you finally decided after seeing it come up a couple of times on Facebook or Instagram or wherever, I'll actually go listen to that. You click on the web and it's not there. And it's the episode from a week earlier, not the one I'm promoting. You're going to be like, what is this person doing? Obviously, they're promoting things that aren't ready yet. So make sure that whatever you're promoting is actually working before you promote it. This used to happen a lot, I found, when people would promote episodes, but they had their feed running through FeedBurner, which we won't go into today. But it had this delayed action where the episodes quite often wouldn't be available everywhere. So people were promoting things with these automatic WordPress updates that went out on all the social media pages saying, hey, episode's live, and it wouldn't be actually available anywhere because their feed burner that was running on their RSS feed hadn't actually updated anything yet, which just made them look silly, really. So anything you're promoting, make sure you go there first and press play on all of it, that it's actually going to play back the audio that you didn't upload a corrupted file or maybe one that's in the wrong bit rate for some reason, and it's just all garbled sound. Obviously, you can't listen to every moment on every platform. That would be not practical. But just make sure the first 10 or 20 seconds works. So be consistent with your web players or anywhere where you're pressing play. If you're going to make something like an audiogram, for example, going back to what I said earlier, actually do one for every episode and do the same number of them for every episode. Don't do one and three, then 38, then none, and then none, and then six. Be realistic. I can do two or three of these for each episode anymore, and it's probably oversaturation, but it's also too much work to edit the episode, then also pick these pieces out, then make the audiogram. Or do two. One as a trailer leading up to the episode, and maybe one as a best of from the episode a day after it comes out. Hey, in case you missed it, the episode with such and such came out yesterday. Here's one of the funny things that happened. So that logic can be extended to anything that you're doing. Don't be haphazard, I guess, with your marketing. If you're going to do three or four different things, commit to doing those for a half a dozen or a dozen episodes to see if they actually have traction when you do do them all the time and whether you can develop those secondary audiences that maybe consume only your micro content and once in a while move over to the full-length episode. Here's something I've made the mistake on in the past, and that's to give every guest their due. One thing I've stuffed up in the past is maybe not committing to every guest the way I should have in terms of for one guest, I do all this work, and then the the next week I'm really busy, so I don't do any work for that particular guest. If your guests are at all tuned in online, they're going to see that you did less work for their episode than you did for the two people previous to that because maybe you had a busy week so you didn't make the audio video and you didn't make the Instagram trailer and you didn't post it on secondary sites like a SoundCloud or YouTube or wherever you would normally put the episodes after they've come out as an extra distribution point. Guests aren't stupid or their teams aren't stupid. They're going to see that, oh, well, They're not promoting this in the same way they normally would. I'm not going to promote it either. Why would I do that? The other thing you're depriving them of is multiple types of things that they can share. They might not want to share a full hour-long YouTube video because that's not what they share on their pages. But if you're producing multiple Instagram shorts and they're going over to Facebook, 
maybe they'll share a 30-second clip of them being funny that doesn't have two minutes of you talking about something unrelated just to get to them saying something amusing. So your guests will realize when you're doing an inconsistent job of promoting episodes, if they're all engaged with your show or the type of community that you're already in. And if you're in a genre, take the entrepreneurial genre, one that I haven't listened to for a long time, but what I will say, having contact with a lot of shows like that over the years and seeing their promotion and they do as good a job of promoting their shows as any other genre, if a guest has the choice between two or three different shows, they may know that one show has this excellent promotional engine that is consistent, that they see popping up on a consistent basis, that a lot of work goes into each piece of that. They don't skimp out and do the audio editing really well, but everything else looks like it was made in Windows 95 version of clip art. They're going to probably choose the show that has the better and more established and consistent promotional engine when they're choosing between multiple options for a show. And the other thing is, if you're not doing the promotional pieces correctly, the great experience they had while on the call with you to record the interview may not mean anything to them because you haven't carried that professionalism over into your promotional assets. So I'll give you those points quickly again. Point number one, you need to accept that where your audience is might not be where you most like to be online. Number two, you may have multiple audiences around your show and they're not all a primary full-length audio podcast audience. You may have a short-form video audience that's on the peripheral and is moving closer to your show over time. And they might care about the content just as much as the hardcore audio listener and or be just as likely to share it with someone who is a hardcore podcast listener. Number three, you need to have multiple on-ramps for your content and you need to not be afraid to share very simple ways to get into the content and more advanced ways because you're appealing to the lack of technicality in your rookie podcast listener and you're also appealing to that deeper love for the genre in your more experienced or veteran listeners by offering more advanced ways to onboard to the content. And number four, you need to commit to consistency, whether that's to make sure everything plays before you promote it, to make sure you commit to a good chunk of similar assets for episodes, the same number of audiograms, make sure that everything's on YouTube within a week, whatever it is or however you want to promote it, make sure it's consistent for half a dozen to a dozen episodes before you just give up on something or think it's too much work. Put in the work and then make a judgment. Don't just decide, oh, this is time consuming. It's a waste of time because you never know who those people are going to be that listen to your show. If you're doing it consistently, you may get on the radar of someone that has a larger audience or more influence and can share and prop the show up pretty much overnight. And make sure you give every guest the same amount of attention and love in your promotion. Don't do heaps of one guest because they're quote-unquote important and then none for the next guest because they're less important or they're not as popular or not as big a name in the space. Give everyone the same amount of love. And also, if you're producing the consistent assets across every episode, your guests will be able to choose what they want to share that they know works best with their audience and maybe something that their audience will be more likely to share on again. So... That's my four promotional philosophical marketing tips, mostly because I've done none of these things right at different times and I've very rarely done them all right at the same time. When Punching Sideways comes back in about a week, 
I'm hoping to really start to nail these things. So I'm not preaching. I've stuffed this up as much as anybody. Okay. I'm going to run some reverb treatment on this episode today, but I'm not going to do a whole lot else. It is weird to record in a room that isn't my now sound-treated studio. I've got street noise and these two big windows and nothing on the walls in here. Hopefully the Sennheiser into the DBX with a little bit of noise gate on it. Between the rejection of the Sennheiser and removing some of those softer flutters and more roomy sort of sound with the noise gate on the DBX. Hopefully I've gotten rid of some of that and I'll put a touch of the RX7D reverb on this. So you might not be able to tell much of a difference, but if you go back to the episodes where I recorded in the studio, I can tell in my headphones, you're going to hear a difference. Okay, deadsetpodcasting.com slash support. I've got, I think, three guest interviews over the next three episodes, which are all amazing. I've done two of them. I'm really looking forward to doing the third. That interview, I think, is tonight, my time. So, yeah, look out for those interviews, and I'll be doing a consistent promotion for each one if I get my, well, I won't say the word I'm going to say, if I get my stuff together and apply the same ethos that I'm going to apply to Punching Sideways, my interview show, to this show, Dead Set Podcasting. Okay, have a great week. Make some awesome stuff. And I'll, yeah, I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. This episode was edited by Dead Set Podcasting. If you want your podcast to sound this good, check out deadsetpodcasting.com forward slash services. Get the sound you're chasing.